This is the Smart and Hot Podcast with Julia Padabonham. The Smart and Hot Podcast is a playful exploration of all things personal development, wellness, spirituality, life advice, and lessons learned along the way. Consider this a safe space for authentic, soulful, love-infused conversations that will support you on your journey to becoming your smartest, hottest self. Take a deep breath, say something kind to yourself, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome, Oak, to the Smart and Hot podcast. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I start off every episode with a little vibe check. So tell the audience what's the space, what's the vibe? The the space, the vibe that I'm in is feeling pretty expansive. Um, feeling really good. I I have done a lot of work on uh, just like work things, like focusing really hard on work for the past eight months and I'm starting to see a lot of benefit and like mm-hmm. fruitfulness with with all of the uh, grinding. <laughs> so I'm feeling really good. You know, it's, it's as we're uh, recording this, it's the end of 2023, December, and I'm feeling kind of uh, relatively accomplished for the year. Awesome. I don't usually feel this way, but I, I feel really like uh, good. That's nice. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that you're feeling that way. And like, I can't wait to jump into all the things with you. So for the audience who is not aware, please tell us what makes you smart and hot. (laughs) (laughs) What makes me smart and hot? Well, I think to answer that question in a sentence is like, I have stopped trying to fit in. You know, and that's both smart mm-hmm. and hot. Um, and and within that process of not trying to fit in, which I tried for my entire life. Um, you know, I'm I'm 37, and I have tried for years to 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 find a place where I can fit in or, or feel accepted in some way, and it just never happened. And so I had to create that for myself. Um, and within this idea of like not trying to fit in it's actually just giving myself permission to be me and it sounds very basic but Mm -hmm. when you're actually in practice of it and you deepen into the layers of what it means to really be yourself and and i guess to love yourself it it is a transformative thing and that has given me more permission to to speak my mind which you know when i when i have things to say you know usually those things are coming from a deep place and then also like i think that's pretty hot you know just being able to 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 be in your skin absolutely that's completely the reflection of what my intention behind the whole idea of smart and hot what it is it's just to be the most authentically you version of you i kind of hate like the word authentic at this point but that's what it is um it's just to be the most you version of you to me that's what it means to be smart and hot and i feel that the more in your own essence that you are it also makes other people feel safe to be in theirs and isn't that just our our purpose i would like to offer an alternative (laughs) answer (laughs) Which is kind of why I was like, okay. oh, I would love to, I would love to kind of come on to this uh, podcast and just have a chat because, um, as someone that has a really central spiritual practice to my life, like my life is very monk-like, it's, you know, and I've had years of just kind of being in spiritual practice and not as much engaging in the world in the way that maybe your average. 20 or 30 year old would engage the world. Um, <clears throat> lots of, you know, self-imposed quote unquote restrictions or, or like creating different boundaries and limitations around what I will and will, will not do. Um, the one thing that I have kind mm-hmm. of created in terms of a an agreement for when I work with the divine and when I work with spirit, I'm like, well, <laughs> if I'm gonna be doing all this work all this like really deep service. The last, the, the first thing that I will say is like, I just want to be hot at the very least. Let me be hot. And 
I will do all of these things. Like if I was going to engage my humanness in this very basic kind of like simplistic and just like non non spiritualized way, like let me just be hot. <laughs> And so yeah, that's that's kind of like my agreement that I'm sharing for the first time ever. So part of it. That's part of being smart and hot is you gotta be hot. <laughs> so let's let's dive into the journey of how you got to where you are. What's I guess this is such a loaded question, but what is your story? Who is Oak? Where are you from? Let's get into it. So I grew up in San Francisco and a uh, mm-hmm. first generation Filipino American. And uh, I pretty much started having spiritual inquiry when I was about like teenager, when I started like uh, experiencing like my queerness and exploring that. And as a very like devout Catholic, it was just something that really didn't sit well with me like feeling as though Mm -hmm. i was in the wrong for for being queer and so that led me into studying buddhism and um when i was 22 years old i had this heart condition come up that was like unexplainable and um it kind of took me into this space where i was really considering like oh my god i could die i could die Mm -hmm. by you know do too many substances or if I drink too much or if I'm partying too hard, like there's just a chance that I could have a heart attack or something. And that Mm -hmm. really caused a a big uh, reality check for me and contemplating mortality, contemplating, you know, what, what, what would it be like if I died and what would people have to say if I died? Um, You know, things that people think about maybe in an older age and uh, that, that really prompted deeper spiritual inquiry it prompted me to um heal as well and like you know find the root cause of of what is what is creating this this heart condition this like rapid Mm -hmm. rapid heart rate resting 160 you know like that was a really intense period of time for me um and through all of the study that that occurred like learning how to eat better. And I was already, you know, I'd been cooking my whole life, but I had to change the way I was cooking. And so over the next five, six, seven years, I I really learned how to eat in this way that was a lot more clean, Uh, stepping away Mm -hmm. from like a Filipino American (laughs) diet. Um, And yeah, I, I found herbalism and herbalism actually is what helped my heart heal. And mm-hmm. um, just kept studying herbalism from there. And it led me to astrology. I, I studied a lot of different things. But the astrology became this, uh, this system that organized every single thing that I was, every spiritual and esoteric thing that I was studying. The astrology actually had this principle where it created a system for me to utilize all of the knowledge in a way that it was just very... Mm-hmm seamless actually um so you know i i think astrology is an amazing tool for that reason and like there's a lot of people that are like you know astrologers and they're not practicing astrology as a counselor but they use it as as the the structure to look at you know whether their industry is within marketing or they are you know even just like looking at fashion trends or if they are um, you know, definitely in medical, like it just becomes the system that, that informs and, and can be the backbone or the, the overlay to, to anything that you're looking at. So where did you start to find that crossover between finding herbalism and also shifting the way that you were cooking? And you're also a plant-based chef, if I'm correct? Mostly. Okay. So what, how is this like, where is this all unfolding? Is it kind of all happening at the same time? Like where is the, the connection being found? Where is the connection being found? Well, yeah, it's like kind of what I was saying that astrology is this, it's a language that can be applied to anything, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and, and a language has a structure and a system. So 
if you apply the language of astrology and the system of astrology to herbalism, it's like, oh, we're breaking down all of these plants by various archetypes. And it's, it's very clean. And that, that system becomes even more alive. You can utilize it in such a, in a, in a more creative way. Um, I think also because astrology is also a language that describes the divine. And when we have an organizing way of working with the divine, it allows us to kind of work with this idea of creativity, which creativity is really just divine inspiration. We have this way of being able to be in a deeper state of creativity. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the intersection is like, yeah, and it's like the food is connected to the astrology and the, all of the spiritual teachings and, you know, I'm going to just wait until these, there's a gang of, mo mo of motorcycles passing by. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying, the, the way in which spiritual systems or different spiritual technologies are going to have, hold on, let me think. So I was talking about food, food and, and then astrology. food and astrology and then the intersection of those things. Um, yeah. And, and then, and then of course, you know, like, because herbs are usually food, um, the way that the body is also astrological as well. Um, you're able to organize the understanding of the body through an astrological system. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's like, there is a very clear connection between food and the body. But I think it's a few different layers where it's like, first, we need to understand that astrology is everything, <laughs> right? And then we recognize that plants are very much a, um, let's think. So, so then we, then we realize that plants also have like planetary plant, planet, plants have planetary correspondence and then the body in its systems also is going to respond to different plants and the, the body is also astrological. So there is uh, a way that the astrology as a language can weave plants, planets and the body together. Mm -hmm. um, the way that I pretty much use it though, is that, you know, each of the, the, the organs and the different functions of the body have planetary associations or zodiacal associations. Mm -hmm. And basically just using the foods that are going to heal that particular part of the body is enough in itself. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can go deeper into that. But basically, I mean, it can sound wordy, but I just consider myself to be an artist. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just using I'm just using all of these various ways that I have just developed in creative flow. And like, that's mm -hmm. kind of what I was saying is like astrology is deeply creative but you have to learn the system first and once you learn it it becomes this practice that actually is like extremely fluid and there is uh almost like innumerable ways that it can be utilized yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's so interesting because i'm a student right now um of yin yoga i'm learning yin yoga which has roots in Chinese medicine, and then also yoga, like traditional yoga or vinyasa yoga, yoga the um, sister science is Ayurveda. So I know some about like the different organs and the different like meridians and energy connection points within the body, but I've actually never heard anyone talk about the relationship with astrology. But personally to me, even the art, different five element archetypes that um, are occurring in Chinese medicine, it does to me sometimes have parallels I see with astrology and like all the different archetypal sciences, I suppose. Um, and it's really interesting. So I guess for someone who's – I would say my audience is probably like everyone knows their big three. So – in terms of astrology in day-to-day -day life, what is kind of your application of it? Because I remember actually from one of the workshops that I took of yours, your take is a little bit different. So share 
yours. What is, how is my take different? <laughs> it was just so like, I'm trying to remember. It was very much like you already know all of this. Like, like uh, this, like the astrology is kind of like a, a, based on our own intuition. It's like explaining what our own intuition is already kind of knowing. So maybe let's go into a little bit more detail about how you view astrology or how you think that you can apply astrology just to day-to-day life in general. How can you use astrology in your day-to-day life? Rather than just like checking your horoscope or like, I need, feel like I need to rephrase, rephrase this question. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, I think that's my question is how, how is astrology, how can it be applied? How can astrology be applied? Okay. So it depends on the way in which you're thinking about astrology. I think most people from an outside perspective are thinking that it is something that will help them sort out their emotional and psychological lives. Maybe you have a horoscope, you can kind of get us get an idea of what the next week or month is going to be like for you. Um, the application is wide. As I was saying, it's like, it's a very, very creative framework and language, but you know, like I think at there, there are many at bests that astrology can offer for one, the, the organized organization of time that is going to be the, the macro, which can be like looking into how planetary movement impacts your life or even the collective body for years to come one year. <laughs> two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years, like that ability to kind of organize the experience of life and lives on a micro personal level to a macro level of like collective experience is kind of, that's why astrology is so profound. And it, you know, it is, it is like a, it is, it is a study that is part of our human experience because anyone that has access to the sky has access to this divine knowledge, which, you know, is not only is it studied in a kind of like rather calculated and scientific way, but it's also like divine. It is also something that comes through as intuitive download as well. Um, You know, my psychic friends have very similar predictions. They don't know anything about astrology. I have very specific predictions that will align with a lot of my psychic friends. And that's just the way that this information is both logical and intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, on the micro level it is something that we, we, like I said, it's like we might know it as something that really informs us on our own very, very, very minute and personal level on, on a very minute and personal level where we, can get like a little bit of love advice for the week or where we can have the uh, the understanding of like all of the micro dynamics and even like micro aggressions that can happen you know as you're like walking to the grocery store or something throughout the day like it's good for that too mm-hmm. so you know like it's it's not limited though to the emotional and the psychological it is actually something that encompasses all which is why when you ask me the question, how do you apply astrology? I'm like, boo, <laughs> it's, it's everything that I do. It's like, mm-hmm. if I, if I really wanted to tap in, then I am always impacted by the astrology from moment to moment. But if I am, if I'm harnessing it in a way where I'm utilizing it in a very intentional way, like how I do for my business, it's like, I know when to post things to mm-hmm. get a higher level of response. I know when to do something and when not when to not do something because that might be actually a time that is undesirable. I might have a very undesirable result. Someone might come in that has like really bad vibes, and I'm eh, that, I could have I could have arranged that a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. depending on how wacky you want to think of how an astrologer can be, like I can go there. But I'm also I'd say that I'm very practical in the way that I use astrology. Um, and so, you know, your, your questions, like, how do you use astrology on the daily? How do you apply astrology? I mean, you can apply astrology with very little knowledge. You know, when you're thinking of the new moon or the full moon and like how to work with that, that's going to be like maybe an, 
a, a very basic way of thinking about it. And that's very obvious, right? When it's the new moon, we're tired. When it's the full moon, we have more energy. It's like we are engaging what is available to us at all times. And then when it comes to like, you know, how you can really use astrology, it's like, you know, you can have a legitimate timeline for how to organize your entire year. You'll know when success is coming. That way there's a, a little bit more of a, a certainty, confidence, confirmation about what you're going through because mm -hmm. we feel these things regardless. Like you can feel when you can, when you know you're in an environment, an energetic environment where you're like, damn, this has been a fucking hard year. And I can feel that it's like, this is probably gonna last for a while. You know, like those kinds of things, like that's astrology, like the language of knowing that, oh yeah, you're having a Saturn transit for the next six months is the specificity, but people don't need an astrologer to know that they're having a difficult time and the, and the energetic environment of what that feels like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yes. so like the astrology is really just there to provide language that you otherwise wouldn't have had the like access to without just like the specific calculation, which leads to the confirmation part. Mm -hmm. um, but I, that's why I literally, I'm just like, I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah. I can be wacky with the astrology and like it can just go really far. And I think one of the things that has been really difficult for me when I was first studying is like just the vastness of it mm -hmm. and the vastness of constantly being in this space of understanding and calculating. And once I got really good at it and like just not as like consumed by like the way that it would make my head hurt, um, it started to feel less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think that, you know, it, it is when you when you tap into like, as I was saying, the vastness of it and like how much you gain from the astrology. Um, it's kind of like, wow, Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. makes you go, wow, that's it. Yeah, I want to yeah. talk about specifically how you've applied astrology to your business, not only starting your astrology business, but also your business as being a chef. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, how, how do you apply that? I love this question because I think that in the, the ways that I like to talk about astrology and the ways that I like to engage astrology is like, how can this be something that we are in this very like conscious exchange with our lives, you know, and like timing is why people come to astrologers in general. So mm -hmm. like, I am using astrology for my business and I've helped people learn how to use astrology for their businesses. Like, you know, I have a astrology for business course, which is one of my favorites. Um, you have to know a little bit of astrology to really get the benefit of it. But basically I just go over the way to relate to time and like mm -hmm. when to know how to do things, how to launch something, when to launch, um, the understanding of how to use astrology in a business sense, because there's very clear organizing principles about branding, about presentation, about like what it is that you're actually communicating as a business owner. Um, because, you know, the astrology is about availability of energy, right? So when you're using what's available, like your own personal resources of energy, when you're aligned with that, then it makes your business stronger and it makes your expression more clear as well as just the uh the impact that you're trying to create um it, it is just very palpable it's very mm -hmm. tangible when you're when you're tapped in. and that's actually what authenticity is right like this whole conversation is centered around authenticity and i think that um when you utilize astrology for this process of actually being authentic, but definitely with, with your business. Our businesses are extensions of ourselves. So the deeper we are with our authenticity, of course, the more we're able to show up for our businesses as well. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. It's like, you know, when I look at my chart, when I look at my, my astrology through a business lens, it's like, it's, I'm great as an astrologer. It's like, oh yeah, she could be an astrologer, that's fine. And then when I started a school, 
it was like an even better expression. And my, my school is actually, it lights me up and it's something that I am feeling very aligned to. Like there's a, there's a part of myself that really blossomed when I started my astrology school. And that is an expression of going deeper into my birth chart and what my birth chart is actually saying. Like the more that we tweak, the more that we kind of make those micro shifts I'm still an astrologer, but it's like that expression was a lot deeper and more connected to, to my essence. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to step into this realm of matchmaking actually. And matchmaking is something that I know that it, it's still astrology. And like, when I look at my, my astrology through the lens of like, well, what is it for me to be a matchmaker? It's an even more alignment for me to be a matchmaker. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm still great as, a, as someone that's running an astrology school, but it's like, wow. And like that type of confidence that I feel knowing that the, the way in which like reading the chart and just seeing how like that is such, such a, a greater, more vibrant expression of who I can be gives me so much excitement. And it's like, I haven't fully launched yet. It's like, I'm going to launch soon, but I, I can just feel the pulse of it. And that mm -hmm. really excites me to no end actually. Um, and, you know, and then like simultaneously, you're talking about the food, like how has the astrology informed my food? Um, I also, I've been cooking my whole life. Um, I, I have, made more space for myself in the past two years to like cook more because I've been focusing on astrology for like nearly a decade, just like mm -hmm. really in it super hard. And I haven't been able to be in my food practice as much, but when I look at my chart as well, it's like, you know, our, our birth charts are so dynamic. They can be like a multiplicity of different pathways and, and different skill sets and different um, crops to harvest. If we want to think of it that way, and like mm -hmm. food is also like such a pathway for me. It is also something that is really important. And so, you know, just thinking about myself and like, you know, I've, I've been focusing on astrology for these past, you know, 10 years. Um, I've been professionally doing readings for like the past eight, but there is something that was yearning to, to be expressed. And by not doing food, I feel like I was really limiting myself in these ways. Like something was hurting or something was feeling really like, uh, there was like a, almost like an internal depletion that was happening. And, um, yeah, the, I create menus for people. I do mostly private cooking and like cooking for retreats. But, you know, one of the things that I do is like create menus for people based on a birth chart. So like I did it this summer. Um, that was, a recent one that I did this summer, I uh, created this like solstice menu for uh, this this person's husband. And it was really beautiful, you know, like just being able to create healing cuisine that is actually designed for someone in, in forms of like health, satisfaction, and also just like something that will be just very curated for them. Um, and it was very powerful. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that. I think food is like, I, I am very passionate about the physical body, mm. like just taking mm. care of my body. It's been always been part of me because I grew up dancing. So I think I've just grown up with like a hyper awareness mm. of my body that has not always been healthy. Um, but mm. I'm so passionate about how food is a tool for healing. It's, food it's our foundation of like what we put into our body there's so much energy behind it mm -hmm. so i think that it only makes sense that that's also part of your path i feel like we, and that's and in, in, in my my kind of opinion my feelings about dharma is like we have a bunch of different all of us have a bunch of different ways we could go different things that light us up and i think it's if we don't allow ourselves to explore all of them in some way, I feel like we're not giving ourselves like the full chance to, to blossom into what we're meant to do. So, let's go a little bit more into 
your career as a chef because I think it's so interesting. So did you go, like, did you go to culinary school? Like when you, you said you've been cooking your whole life. Did you, is that how you started your career? Was no, cooking? no, no, no. I mean, I've been cooking my whole life. I'm self-taught. Mm -hmm. A lot of things in my life. I just, just like a lot of things in my life, I have a very obscure pathway that I've created for myself. Um, but yeah. I, I did, I, like, like I was saying, um, when I was prompted to look at myself, when I had that heart condition when, at 22, it's like, I really did start changing the way I was eating. And it didn't really take full hold until maybe like a few years later, like four years later, when I really became like gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. And that is the basis of all of my food. Mm -hmm. um, and like the, it's just, I have a very strong perspective of like how I, how I cook. And also it's been really challenging too, in terms of like being able to go out into the world and like eat things. And now restaurants are like way more conscious of allergens and like dietary restrictions. But you know, seven years ago, it wasn't really as available so um, I've just really created uh, food around this particular way of eating. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I'm sharing with, with folks. And I, I just keep it pretty small with, with retreats and, and, you know, and events and like my own little private things here and there. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm growing in this process, but I, mm -hmm. I feel really, I feel very, very comfortable in the kitchen and it, it brings a different type of vitality and joy. Um, it's a different type of spiritual work. It's still the same transmission of healing. And I really mm -hmm. believe that, but it is different to give that transmission to a group of 10 or 20 people versus sitting in a, a counseling session with just one person. Mm -hmm. And the, the impact can actually be similar. I wouldn't say it's the same. It's not the same type of, you know, environment or conversation. But I really see the the cooking work as as healing work specifically. Absolutely, I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. I have this on my talking points, but I need to see how I can frame this as a question. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to talk. I want to talk. You are obviously involved, like you are part of the healing space, the wellness space. Mm -hmm. Also, you're a chef. I want to kind of go into where the wellness and healing space can kind of become, I don't want to say problematic, but I see that there's a lot there. It's problematic in certain ways and it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I work in it. I work in fitness. I work in wellness. So like, let's kind of just go into, let's get real about the wellness space. Oof. The wellness space. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot. Okay. So I feel like I need to preface this by saying that everyone is on their own specific path and you know, your path is based upon your level of consciousness, right? And so when we say wellness and when we, that when we say healing specifically, mm -hmm. we are talking about many, many variable ways of engaging this idea of what it means to be well and what it means to be a healed bitch. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, I'm coming from a pretty intense perspective where I'm like, no, like I'm literally about liberation like liberation and like in all forms of liberation, you know, which is like liberation from suffering, which is like spiritual goal and also like liberation from a social and political perspective. And so when we're talking about healing, not everyone is talking about that. When we say the word healing, what people actually mean is like self-soothing mm -hmm. and like, you know, whatever self-care or just like feeling better. Right. And then there's just, and I think that that is really just like the contrast. It's like, we have to get clear about what we mean when we say that I'm in the wellness space or I'm, 
I'm actually, you know, a healer in itself. Like what is, what is your perspective? What is your goal? And like, you know, what are the virtues upon how that is predicated in your business or how you, how you conduct yourself as a practitioner? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you call something a healing experience or when you say that you're receiving healing, but it really is just self-soothing, like it kind of lends into this space of being and remaining in a state of victimhood. And there's a really big contrast, I think. And now I'm speaking really from my own opinion. It's like, there's this space that like, when we go deeper into our healing, we are, we are becoming liberated because we are no longer in victim mode meaning we're like extremely accountable for our lives and everything that that it means to be accountable for your life. And I don't think that that's for everyone. That's literally not a part of some people's paths. It's that wellness and healing is trendy because it's something that is part of like a cultural narrative that we, we want this thing because it has, you know, because we have these images of peace we have these images of the yoga industry and like how that informs, you know, it's like wellness has infiltrated corporate spaces. So there's also this like corporated way or this capitalist way that we look at wellness and healing. But it is one of those things where, you know, it's about definition, I think. It's, it's really the way that we want to define it for ourselves and, and how, how, how much are we, how deep are we willing to go and so, yeah, we, we just have a very like disorganized way of relating to this umbrella of what it means to be well and what it means to heal. Yeah, absolutely. I think living in New York and just being a part of the fitness industry here. And also I just finished a training in Pilates and like, I've been just learning so much about like cultural appropriation and where that comes into play in the fitness industry and also racism in the fitness industry and just wellness in general and how it has become such a trendy, almost inaccessible, luxurious, luxurious thing. Um, Healthy food, for example, is so expensive. It's actually more expensive to eat in a way that is clean and natural and comes from a good place. Like your food is coming from a good place. That's so much harder. And it's something that I kind of struggle with being in the space, knowing that like I'm so privileged to be able to take care of myself and taking care of yourself and healing in that sense and self-soothing. It is, it's kind of coming from a, a privileged place too. Right. Yeah wellness is resold to us mm-hmm. you know and it, it, it comes from indigenous practices and the thing about when we are creating corporation and we're capitalizing from wellness we're just cherry picking right we're taking the best parts of yogic philosophy buddhist principles chinese medicine and you know just like all of these indigenous practices and herbs, right? Like Palo Santo, white sage, like all of those things, all of the the plant medicine spaces is like, we're taking that knowledge and, and those structures that were already there. And we're just, you know, clearly we're repackaging it. And then it becomes inaccessible because it's like, you know, offered in these ways that have a price tag that like, you know, this modern price tag, so yeah, I mean, we have to we have to acknowledge that there is the uh, there is ways that like the systems of how we're operating as practitioners like it's fucked. But you know the the whole thing about like feeling the guilt of it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it should it's like with the knowledge it should inform your practice. It should be something that there is acknowledgement that there is recognition that you're also like being a modern practitioner in ways that are still really honoring like histories and lineages. And I think that's why just having education Mm -hmm. is really important when it comes to like the, it's, it's the intimacy in which you're relating to everything. Right. And like, um, 
I know that astrology is a colonizer language. Like it's a colonized language. Like it, it comes from Babylonian knowledge base. It comes from Africa. It comes from Egypt, and then you know it, it is trickles down to the Greeks, and it, and it goes elsewhere across the mm -hmm. West. But at the end of the day, like it's something that I am actively trying to recognize as a tool that's been used for conservatives and for like for people in power. And, and it is kind of like a right wing and it has been historically like a right wing tool. Mm -hmm. But I'm finding my own language in it. But I also recognize its histories as well. So like when you recognize the history of something, you're automatically deepening an in intimacy. And like that's the issue with colonialism, capitalism, is that when we cherry pick, we are releasing ourselves of the intimacy with lineage, with practice, with the understanding of the history. And then that automatically makes it so that it, it's easier to just be extractive. So our role as people that want to carry on lineage, even if it's disconnected lineage, is to caretake. You caretake the knowledge. And it really is just like building intimacy. And like, that's kind of, that's the, the, that's the basis upon which I actually relate to all of my work, even with food is like, it doesn't really matter like what it is that I'm serving. All that matters is that I've built a connection with this very moment that I'm like massaging these greens. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that, you know, that, that is, you know, part of what healing is, is like reestablishing intimacy and so like within our our role as you know practitioners in wellness spaces like we have to continue the practice of being intimate absolutely it's just a lot of study i think it's a lot of study and acknowledgement and like that's what's devoid because if you knew the history and if you knew like the uh all of the ways in which the knowledge has come to you at your feet at your doorstep that you're that you're utilizing and that you're you know, now capitalizing off of, if you knew the history, if you knew the knowledge and like, like where it comes from and like the, just all of the, the various roots, then you would just, you would automatically have a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which is, you know, we talked about this earlier, but that's the reason why having a poor relationship to Saturn is a, a pathway for cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, you know, the Saturn as like a foundational archetype for anything, but also for us, like in terms of ancestry and history, when you're disconnected to your ancestry and history through lack of education, you are very likely going to appropriate mm -hmm. another person's culture. Can you talk a little bit more about the connection to Saturn? Yeah, sure. I mean, we oftentimes think of Saturn as hardship and mm -hmm. we think of Saturn as like, oh my God, I'm turning 27, 28, 29. It's my Saturn return. Shit's going to be hard, right? But when you, when you deepen into the archetype of Saturn and how it relates to time and maturation, time as a linear structure, right? There are these kind of like these points that come before us, like points of history. So Saturn is not only what we're developing in terms of our life path, but it also is like the histories interwoven upon which we stand upon. And so if you're to honor your life and if you're to honor your path, you actually have to be in a deeper state of reverence for your past. But in America or in the West where we have um, histories, people like my family moved to America to have a better life. They literally gave up their understanding and they, they actually disengaged from their own cultural understanding just to assimilate into American culture. That's a lot, that's the immigrant story is to completely immerse yourself in the American dream, which is like literally giving up who you are in order to have this, this, this inkling of success. When you do things like that, speaking for myself and, you know, being the descendants, being the descendant of some, uh, you know, uh, 
of immigrants who came from the Philippines, it's like, I didn't have a deep understanding of my heritage, what it means to be Filipino, what it means to be Filipinx. And I had to find those things for myself. And in my spiritual journey, you know, just like diving in and, and like exploring all of the various, <laughs> everything, yoga, meditation, crystals, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I culturally appropriated because it was tangible for me to, to want to burn Palo Santo because it was in the store. You know, it, it was just, I just did it mindlessly. But when I went to the Philippines solo and just had my own exploration, just knowing that I wanted to deepen ancestrally, a lot of my gifts just came in. A lot of my spiritual knowledge and just like the inheritance that is just kind of due to me came through being connected to that land. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not something that I actively knew would happen, but it did happen. And from that moment, I was changed. And also, like, I was able to, to look a little bit deeper and see it's like, you know, if a practice is actually meant for me. And that really, I mean, of course, we, at this day and age in 2023, like we have an understanding of cultural appropriation, but this was like, five, six years ago for me, where like those conversations were really just starting to develop a little bit more in, in a mainstream context. Mm -hmm. And it was through deepening in my ancestral work that I just got really clear about mm -hmm. who I was. And that is something that no one could have taught me, really. Mm -hmm. and, and I think because we're in a culture that is devoid of lineage and heritage right that the culture of america is the dollar and it is it is all about being able to gain and what you're willing to give up oftentimes in order to gain what you're willing to extract or to to basically like abuse in order to gain that is essentially the culture of capitalism and so yeah we're doing these things ruthlessly to make a dollar and it's just easier to have something packaged and cherry picked because it's more sellable, you know? Um, so, you know, going back to this topic of Saturn, it's like that was Saturnian work for me is, is immersing myself in my ancestry, right? Mm -hmm. When you are coming from a colonial background where your ancestors have like really strong roots in colonizing. It might even be difficult to address your histories because of that really rich and like integrated way that that is just something that a seed that's been sown for generations upon generations. And so because I think when we're looking at time, right, we're looking at this idea of time and history, we're not there to repeat it. We're there to acknowledge. That's what tradition is. We're there to acknowledge. Well, that's why we have holidays. We, we, we honor and acknowledge histories that have passed, histories and, and struggles and liberation struggles that have come before us. And if we're not able to do that, then we're not doing Saturnian work. But in America, we have disenfranchised histories. We're not even taught our real histories. How can we be in reverence for time and where we're developing as a culture if we actually don't have the, the true download of like what has transpired before us. So the, the, the idea of like Saturn as time is very important that we're honoring all of the, 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 the entirety of the cyclical nature of time, which is if we wanna have a, a beautiful relationship with the future, then we also have to have a very respectful and also beautiful relationship with the past, like in honoring I want to talk about your daily rituals. So do you have any like daily rituals, maybe morning, nighttime routines that keep you feeling really inspired, feeling really embodied, alive? I'm all about the ritual. It's like my, that's my life. Uh, mm -hmm. Rituals can, they can take up the entire morning, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's part of being a magician and like a witch or whatever is just being in ritual, I think. Mm -hmm. So big part of my practice is prayer and mm -hmm. just being in connection, being, being in communication with 
the divine and like, you know, with my heart space and the connection with the divine. And that will look in various ways. But I think that if I was to share, you know, like what are the, the things that ground me and, and make me um, able to, to, to move through my day and move through my life with ease, it is having a spiritual practice. Um, that's a, you know, as I was saying, it's central to who I am. Mm-hmm. And so part of my spiritual practice is prayer. Um, another part of my spiritual practice and ritual is cooking. Um, and that's also very important to me. Uh, it's, it's the most grounding thing for me is being able to, to cook. And uh, because it is a form of intimacy that I get to build with material, and then it goes into my body and it feeds the material of my body. And I think that that process is really powerful when you're um, very intentional with it. Um, I, you know, hopefully if I can get, you know, like spiritual practice in the morning and at night, I I tend to prioritize it at night as well. Mm -hmm. What else are my practices? Rituals. I find that I don't do things very, I mean, I, I'm aware of the astrology, so I know when they're like really beneficial times to do things. And that is mm-hmm. how the astrology informs me, right? That and astrology actually is kind of a, it's very structured and it can be almost like calendrical, like almost like a calendar or like there's a very specific timing that I abide by. But intuitively, you know, like I find myself being in specific ritual at the new moon and the full moon. And it's not something that I try to do. It's something that happens naturally. So mm-hmm. I think what I'm trying to articulate is that ritual is something that is very intuitive. And the astrology has taught me how to understand the working of time in a very structured and organized way. But I also kind of don't need it too much. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's more of a tool for confirmation where I'm like, I can feel the full moon coming and I can feel that there's something that wants to be released or something that wants to be acknowledged or something that wants to be materialized. And then I'll step into a ritual that is very customized to that very moment. And so uh, what I want to share with your audience is like, if you are interested in being in a, in a state of ritual for things, like it is actually just being highly creative. Mm-hmm. and just being very fluid with like what is presenting itself at this time and like how can you use what you have in front of you to honor the moment to, to call in or to to watch your intention blossom into something being fully present to what's there mm-hmm. getting totally. a lot of like presence and intention behind everything 100 percent. 100 how do you know when you're not in alignment? What does it feel like to you? Ooh. Like, does it feel your body like, like? Oh my gosh. I mean, this can be answered in so, this is a really good question. This can be answered in so many ways. Um, on a personal level, I can feel when something's not in alignment with me because I'm just very, in touch with my intuition so i will i think in the most basic way when we have anxiety Mm -hmm. there's something that's not in alignment and we oftentimes project anxiety so it can be an internal misalignment where like you know and anxiety is actually just like the mind and the heart being in conflict that's really what it is and that can be based on an external factor like we don't like the way that someone is talking to us or it can be like our own like internal mechanisms of responses that we've cultivated over years, usually through trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really, I'm really good at pointing out when I have internal angst, you know, like angst, anxiety, frustration, there's something there that's not aligned, you know, and it, it can be very superficial, like you don't like the way that someone's vibe is, or it can be something much deeper than that. And usually it's something much deeper. Um, I'm just really thankful that I'm an astrologer because I can always see when something's misaligned for me. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. not aligned, easy. So what do you do, I guess, 
Hmm. Right now, so I guess I'm kind of going to talk about my situation right now just because I, I don't know if it's – I'm like, I don't know if it's the time of year or like what's going on. But personally, I'm like, I feel like I'm just not – myself hmm. i don't know and it hmm. happens sometimes i'm just trying to like get back into my you know feeling of being fully aligned and in my flow and whatnot and i'm not hmm. in it right now um so i guess then for someone who might be experiencing that who's either me or someone else like what how do you kind of use astrology and use the astrology of the moment to get yourself back into a place of feeling like yourself. I love this question. This is, mm, this is a good question. So through study and witnessing mm -hmm. and just being in the practice, there are different forms of misalignment, mm -hmm. right? And we are familiar with the idea of retrograde, right? Mercury retrogrades like 20 days. It's a type of misalignment. You know, yeah. there, there's something that is calling for our attention. And the reason why we feel like it keeps coming up is because something is off that needs to be addressed, right? And there's also other retrogrades. Pluto's mm -hmm. five plus months. Jupiter's five months or so. So those are different timelines. So there is always a timeline that is needing attention and therefore internally because the planets are very much like different forms of consciousness within us we have different things that need addressing if you're feeling right now that something is off and something is just majorly off where you genuinely cannot feel like yourself it could be a few things it can be a short-term retrograde it could be a, a now i don't want to get too technical but it can be it can be varying forms of influence, mm -hmm. right? And some of these influences can last a long time. <laughs> some of them are fleeting in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what astrology is good for recognizing is like, okay, well, sometimes it's like some shit that you're going to be dealing with for like two plus years. And you got to get comfortable with that. You got to accept that there's this is a longer term process of you coming into some form of quote unquote alignment. Mm -hmm. And then there's a fleeting Mercury retrograde. It's just like 20 days. It can be very impactful. Mm -hmm. And that's good enough information already. For the regular person that's not an astrologer, it's like, yeah, just recognize that there are various forms of adjustment that we need to make throughout our lives. And, you know, for me, I, I'm just more and more and more and more comfortable with recognizing like, okay, here's something that's going to take a little bit longer for me to process. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of comfort, the type of confirmation that astrology offers. And that's great. It's not fun. It's still not fun to like not feel mm -hmm. like yourself. But, but I also think that it's like the languaging that we're utilizing. It's like, am I not feeling like myself? Or is something wanting to grow and to enhance, to, to deepen an expression? And, and I think that that's actually a little bit more generative. And so it's really mm -hmm. the language of your intuition saying something is off and that's perfectly fine, right? But I think it's like the, the questioning that we create around it of like, how can I deepen into this discomfort and how can I even ask questions that will give me greater context, right? And that's a really exciting space to be in because if you weren't intuitive, you would just be like humdum, like going through your day and just be like, oh, whatever. But I think that that, that feeling, the, the, the naming that something feels off is a very, very important, in, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the place where the inquiry starts. Mm -hmm. And then you can figure it out if you deepen into that, or if you've seen astrologer, you'll get, you'll get the timeline and you'll get the, you'll get the consciousness that is being activated. And that's a, mm -hmm. different, it's a different mode of how to approach it. But it's like, I think what astrology is, is recognizing all of the varying timelines that are at play and being able to just very quickly and succinctly organize and, and kind of like just create a stronger narrative. It's not gonna give you the fucking answer. Mm -hmm. You still have to do the work, but it can be 
a really helpful way to like uh, to, to frame and to maybe reframe how you're looking at something. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> tell, tell the audience where, what your different offerings are. Oh my. <laughs> I know you have a lot. <laughs> She's an artist, y'all. <laughs> um, I would say like most tangibly, I am, uh, I offer readings, you know, like I, I offer consult, uh, birth chart, year ahead, uh, astro locality, and my readings go really deep. Um, mm -hmm. Lately, I've been realizing that like my special, one of my specialties is like love and like talking about love. But I'm also just really good at like addressing the ancestral, the, the spiritual, and just like how it can work in our lives. And so mm -hmm. um, that's, that's my consulting, ogastrology.com. And then I have a school. So um, teaching from a place of using astrology as a tool for healing, counseling, and the processes of liberation. Um, I have pretty intimate mentorship programs. I have a one-year natal astrology course. I also have a five-month transits and predicted mentorship, which is like very exciting. I mean, both of those programs are really powerful. I also have self-study courses, um, astrology for business. I have a natal course, a transits course. Um, I have a few single classes, Saturn return classes, epic. You get so much there um, if you're between the ages of like 25 and like 32. It's really amazing. Or having your second Saturn return, like, you know, anytime in your mid 50s onward, it's like very, very helpful too. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I have a love class that I, that, I, that I have on there as well. A lot of different offerings. You know, if you're interested in, in just like connecting with, the way that I teach, like I have a lot of like free things too. If you just like check out my websites. Um, I also, you know, as a chef, like I do like commission private events and that's always really great. Easiest for me to do them between uh, Los Angeles, New York and Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, travel to cook all the time. So those are things that I do as of right now. Um, if you're interested in just like connecting, I have a podcast that is pretty new. It's called Absalom, the Art of Astrology and Demon Slaying. And uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Work. I'm going to link everything. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to do a little quick rapid fire just because just for funsies, some little quick questions. Uh -huh. um, so we got your big three. You are Libra Sun. Taurus, Taurus moon. rise, Taurus, Taurus moon, moon, and then Virgo rise. Yeah. 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 Okay. Big three. Do you know your human design? I actually don't. Okay. Um, I think I had it and I forgot or something. Um, okay. I'd be it's curious. Just, it just never resonated with me, if I was uh -huh. going to be honest. So I think I haven't found the right practitioner to like guide mm -hmm. me. Anytime I've worked with human design, it just hasn't dropped. I haven't dropped into it at all. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, yeah. Totally. Um, do you have, mm, this is a loaded question, but do you have a favorite book? Uh, one of the books that I love a lot, like really, really love this book a lot is, um, this book. It's, it's a translation of the Egyptian book of the dead by Norman D. Ellis called awakening Osiris. It's just very beautiful. Okay. Um, another book that I love as well is The Smell of Rain on Dust. And uh, that is by Martine Practel. And it talks about the parallels between love and grief. Um, and I think it's very uh, beautiful, especially for someone who's lost someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Favorite type of music slash favorite music artist? Lately, I've been really into just like Thai funk. Um, like Krung Bin is definitely something that I, I kind of gravitate towards. And then there's this other band. They're also Thai as well. I'm going to find out the name right now. But they're so fucking cool. Um, I want everyone to listen to them. They're called Fu, Fu Kao. 
it's P-H-U-A space K-A-O. There's, oh, no, no, actually, no, that's the name of the song. They're called Kun Narin, so K-H-U-N-N-A-R-I-N. They're incredible. So okay. that's what I'm usually jamming out to. Love. And do you like to just jam out all the time while you're cooking, working, all of the above? I'm a, I'm a vibe. I'm a viber. Yes, you're Always a viber. Screaming. I feel yeah. like I, I am, but then also, like, when I'm working, I have to be, like, in total, like, very calm nervous system meditation type of music. That's my vibe always. Word, word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have, like, tourist placements because... <laughs> Okay, actually, I don't think so. Really? No. I I have a lot of water. I'm mm-hmm. Cancer Sun, Libra Moon, Pisces Rising, Cancer ah. Mercury. Uh huh. Um, Where's your Venus at? Leo. Oh, interesting. That's funny. Yeah, sometimes the Libra can get mistaken for the Taurus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. It's so oh. I'm such a like I'm I'm such a crybaby kind of. Like I'm a very like I'm I have a lot of water, so like I'm just very emotional and I can get can get I can drown in my own water sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's fun because the Leo, I feel like the Leo Venus like it just brings there's part of it that I have fun with. <laughs> yeah, sensitive and has fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. And likes like um likes to perform. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's I I'm trying to embrace it with dance. But yeah. my like thing that I've been my cycles that I've been looking at in my life, I'm like, oh, you've just been performing. Performing for every area of my life for a long time. So you know, we're always just learning. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> so we have your, I have, I'm going to link everything, but what are your socials? Like plug your business, your socials, where everyone can find you. Word. Yeah. I'm most active on Instagram. I think like with messaging mm-hmm. there, I think, well, I mean, email would be best, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, my Instagram, Christopher underscore Oak. So K R S T O P H. ER underscore oak and uh yeah school website oakastrologyschool.com my web consulting oakastrology.com and then uh, my email oakastrology at gmail.com all the things yay i will make sure that everything is linked in the description but thank you so much for coming on this was such a fun conversation so eye-opening and i think there's a lot of juiciness here i'm really excited to continue to dive deep and i want to book a reading with you oh that's so sweet it's like oh no it's so sweet i'm like no i'm just like being for real (laughs) i need this (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the smart not podcast with julia padavana If you aren't already, please make sure you are following us on Instagram and TikTok at SmartAndHotNYC. That's SmartAndHotNYC. You can also find us on YouTube at SmartAndHot by Julia Padavana. All of our links, all of the things will be linked in the description of this video. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day no matter when you are listening. And I will talk to you in my next episode.